I'm Bill Driegert, Head of Operations at Uber Freight. I'm excited to be able to uh, give this presentation virtually from the, the comfort of my, my own home. Actually uh, recording this in the fancy studio of my, my bedroom. Um, I know these are interesting times for all of us, so this new format, uh, I'm, I'm excited to be, to be able to test this out. So I'm gonna give a presentation today on some of what Uber Freight is doing both in response to coronavirus uh, and what we see in the market, and also how we've built our systems and how that actually is proving to be uh, quite advantageous uh, in these times where quick information and quick response is critical. So core to our mission is we simplify the movement of goods to help communities thrive. Uh, simplifying movement for us is really about taking technology uh, to make the process of moving freight easier for both carriers and shipper. And we serve multiple communities. We serve shippers, we serve carriers, but it's also everybody out in the world who's consuming right now and relying on store shelves to be full. Uh, we see it as central to our mission to be able to fulfill uh, those needs, uh, particularly right now where um, it's critical that we get goods on the shelves. So. What does that uh, mean more precisely? And what does it mean from a value prop? Um, when we think about the Uberization of freight, we think first about reliability, uh, second about flexibility, and third about transparency. Reliability is about building a network that's instantly responsive, that can recover and can self-heal, as we like to say. It's 24 seven, we have over 50,000 carriers on the platform, which means we have a dense network that will respond quickly and can keep freight moving uh, in times of need. It's also flexible. Uh, because we have that dense network, it means that both carriers and shippers can work on their schedules and can make decisions in real time and have instant access to information. And it's transparent. So rates are transparent, but also the location of the vehicles is transparent. We aim to continually push the boundaries of what it means to be transparent. Uh, facility reviews is a good example of that, where we were the first to market with a comprehensive uh, facility feedback me mechanism for drivers, which both shippers and drivers found highly valuable, but also pushes the boundaries of transparency. Uh, the density really comes from our network. So we have the largest virtual fleet, meaning that we have the largest number of drivers that have downloaded and engaged in our application. It's over 50,000 drivers, over 650, or over 50,000 carriers, over 650,000 drivers uh, in that network, which allows it to be reliable uh, and highly responsive. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about uh, what we've done as Uber uh, to help support our carriers and our communities in these times of need. Then I'll talk a little bit about what real-time logistics is, and particularly because we found it relevant right now. We found that there's extreme demand for information uh, and real-time responsiveness. And then last, I'll talk a little bit about the freight market and at a high level talk through what we see in terms of the phases of development of this crisis, and what might come to pass over the next several weeks and months. So one thing that makes me very proud to work at Uber Freight, but also Uber is that we have this powerful platform. Uh, we have uh, the Rides Network, we have the Eats Network, we have Freight, we have Work, uh, and we've been able to uh, use all those resources over the last month uh, and many weeks uh, to help ease uh, the um, ease the daily lives of our, our communities. So. Uh, a couple examples up here. We have a work hub uh, we were at where our drivers on the ride side can find opportunities both on freight and across Eats and across Uber Works uh, for work, uh, given that the rides business is not moving quite as many rides these days through the crisis. 
We've also allowed uh, our restaurants to deliver a zero dollar delivery fee. We provided uh, 10 million free rides to healthcare workers and others that are facilitating uh, on the front lines. And as we were freight, uh, we've been able to uh, plug into these networks and provide free Uber Eats meals, $20 credits uh, per week to our drivers on the platform. All of that uh, are benefits of working on a comprehensive platform, a comprehensive transportation and labor platform across Uber. Uh, as Uber Freight, we also uh, started a Thank a Trucker campaign. You can go to the website, thankatruckdriver.com. Uh, this is where uh, has been our central channel for information and some of the programs that we're running to help our uh, drivers, both keeping them informed with fact-based guidance as the um, uh, crisis develops. And as I mentioned, we've got promotions such as the Uber Eats promotion where we're offering $20 in free credits uh, to our uh, drivers on the Uber Eats platform. Uh, the network that we've built is 24-7 and highly resilient. Because it was cloud-based from day one, it meant that overnight we were able to switch to a work-from-home operation. I touched on the fact that it's self-healing. What do I mean by that? If a load bounces, because we have 600,000-plus drivers logging into the platform, it means that we're able to instantly recover. Uh, and particularly right now, when drivers are looking for work and looking for that instant access, uh, that means freight's going to move uh, highly reliably right now. And it's fully cloud-based. Again, our, our workforce was able to do the exact same job in the office. Uh, the next day, they did the exact same job at home. We had no loss in operations, uh, which builds uh, a lot of reliability inherently into the platform. Uh, a little bit about what we've done in terms of relief freight. To date, we've moved over 25,000 relief loads for our shippers. Uh, and those we've also helped with FMCSA loads directly for our small shippers. And we quickly were able to put features in the app to make those loads transparent. And as a shipper creates a relief load for them to be able to tag that quite easily uh, in the platform. So I wanna talk a little bit about instant and real-time freight. Uh, what does that mean? Um, we're seeing that particularly now that when markets are volatile and rates are going up and down very quickly, that everybody's looking for information and quick responsiveness. And this is where instant freight really yields great benefits because from a carrier perspective, you're able to just hit a button, get a load, not worry about it, not spend hours trying to find a load. And you're able to quickly see what's available and the prices and what the market rates are. And similarly for a shipper, it means being able to get prices uh, instantaneously. So for a shipper, you could log in into a shipper platform. You can see rates over the next 14 days. All these rates are committed rates, meaning that I can put a load in, I can uh, book that load and I know that price is guaranteed and that that load will move. That lets you make decisions faster. Uh, it gives you confidence in terms of where the rates are. It's much different than how things worked previously, which is calling, emailing, wait for a response while you're waiting, particularly when it's a very tight market or when things are moving quickly, prices may be changing and you may lose a truck or you may not be able to find the right rate at the right time. So for a shipper, you log in, you put your origin, your destination, uh, and you immediately see prices. We actually provide prices over the next 14 days. That allows you to make better decisions, uh, making trade-offs. If you can move a load to tomorrow, you have that opportunity uh, and that option. And then once the load is booked, you can track it uh, in real time and see how that load progresses uh, through the lifecycle of the load. We've also, I touched on transparency and the critical uh, criticality of transparency to our value proposition. And one of the uh, ways that we've enabled that that I'm particularly proud of is allowing 
carriers to rate facilities. Uh, historically, carriers don't always have the best experience at facilities. Facilities also don't have good information or know how to improve or know what's important for the carriers coming into and out of those facilities. By providing ratings and feedback, uh, facilities have tangible, actionable information that they can use to improve the operations in their facility. And it has direct impact. Drivers are more likely to take freight if they know that the ratings uh, are high. And particularly at a time like this, it's important to be upfront and honest, let drivers know what they can expect when they arrive at a facility. Um, we know that certain commodities are incredibly high demand and that wait times at those facilities may be higher. There's also new protocols and new procedures. And the more transparent that is to drivers upfront, you know, we do our best to communicate that both within the application uh, and to, to drivers at the time of booking a load so that they know what they're getting into. And if they can see the facility ratings, they know that it's transparent there's less likely to be issues uh, when they arrive because they know what to expect. So what is the uh, real-time API? Uh, it'll, it's a uh, API that we integrate directly with uh, enterprise shippers or mid-market shippers, anybody that has the technological capability or one of the TMS partners that we've integrated with. And it allows our shippers to get instant pricing. And as soon as you get a price, you can book the load and have confidence that that load will move and that a truck uh, will arrive on time. Right now, we've integrated with SAP, Mercury Gate. We recently announced our partnership with BlueJay. Incredibly excited to uh, see each of those partnerships grow. Um, it's something that, as Uber Freight, we've been out in the front lines on. Uh, we were the first to announce a partnership of this nature with SAP. It's something that I personally believe in because I think pricing transparency, which is what is, is what takes a lot of the friction out of this marketplace. I think a lot of uh, the unreliability and the friction and the delays are created because there's opaqueness and a lack of transparency on prices. As an enterprise shipper, if you're able to get a price in seconds versus minutes, it allows you to make decisions better and more precisely. Uh, it also just speeds up the network. Uh, a lot of times, the reason that you weren't able to find a truck or that a truck may not still be there is because uh, it waited too long to, to get the load onto the market, right? Every second can count, particularly if it's the same same day. So that's what real-time, um, that's where real-time freight starts is with real-time pricing and upfront pricing. So a good example of this, particularly right now, as the market was surging, we had uh, one enterprise shipper who reached out to get set up on the API. We were able to get them set up in four hours and within two hours, they had moved their first load. So six hours of total uh, buffer time between when they wanted to get set up and when the first load was moved. Uh, and then going forward, they're able to get prices and move loads in seconds, right? Uh, and all of a sudden they have this new capability uh, where they no longer have to pick up the phone, they no longer have to send an email. The load planner can sit at their desk and be confident that they're getting a real-time uh, capacity and real-time price uh, and a guarantee. Uh, and just another quote from another customer who set it up. So API pricing has been a reliable solution in terms of capacity and market competitive rates, and our transportation planners have saved countless amounts of time in their sourcing activity to cover the increasing load demand from Truco Enterprises. So again, getting back to those value props, so the real-time pricing API, it allows for transparency because you have an instant price, you can plan more effectively, you can manage seasonal overflows or surges in rates. It's more reliable. You can source new lanes quickly. Day-to-day -day operations, if one carrier falls through, you have a backup plan that you always know you can rely on, and it's flexible. So if you have a demand spike, if your line goes down, if you need to reconfigure your network, it allows you to do that quickly with a price that you know is a fair market rate, 
it's instant, it's reliable, it's committed. So I'm gonna talk a little bit about what we're seeing in the market, and I'd like to break this out into four phases. So first, we saw the initial surge. So we saw uh, several weeks of volume ramp ups as people went to the stores, they stocked up, right? They hoarded toilet paper, uh, they bought a lot of the consumables, uh, but then once they were stocked up and their pantry was full, we saw the demands drop off uh, quite precipitously. Now we're starting to see it stabilize and what we expect in the other tail end is a, a recovery. There's a lot of uncertainty around the nature of that recovery, but uh, we all know that that's, that's gonna be phase four. So starting with the initial surge, we saw a extreme demand shock in March, a touch on toilet paper. There's your uh, pallet of toilet paper, which uh, drove up a huge surge in spot rates. And again, getting back to that pricing API, we saw spot rates increase dramatically. People's network shifted, right? Because you were sourcing from locations that you hadn't sourced from before. Uh, SKUs that uh, maybe were doing, you know, X volume one week, we're doing two, three, four X volume uh, the next week. Uh, across our supply base, we saw huge volatility in terms of skew shift and lane shift. Uh, and what did that mean to it? it meant the RFPs uh, were no longer relevant because all of a sudden you've got new lanes, you're well past your initial volume expectations and other lanes are dried up. Uh, so we saw a dramatic shift in network very quickly. So all these centrals were moving, spot market activity was uh, off the charts and there was a huge surge or a huge shift in the way that people moved freight in the core networks and how they operated. Then we saw things uh, uh, drop off, right? Stockpiling was was over, essential goods were stocked. Um, so we saw spot markets or spot rates, spot volumes start to dip and drop off. And I think we also saw it start to, the impact of some of these uh, significant uh, demand shocks start to hit. And we started hearing from our customers. Many food and beverage customers were telling us, uh, you know, that they were seeing a full year shift. I know there's lots of signals out in the marketplace, but it was when we really started to see the uh, volumes drop. Um, now, uh, what we're expecting is a little bit of stabilization, right? So, markets slowly ramping up. Uh, Monday over Monday last week, right, we started to see the volumes uh, cre uh, creep back up. And we expect things to still remain low year over year. Q4, Q2 will actually probably be the toughest hit for certain uh, sectors and commodities. A global beverage manufacturer's earnings call was last week. They said they're going to be they're down 25% globally right now at this moment. Most of that is in away from home channels. So things like, uh, you know, food service, uh, things like vending machines, right? Uh, there's a lot of information out there, but it's... Any rest, any store that's not open right now is not shipping, and I think it's pretty apparent what those those sectors are. Um, the The unknown here is how quickly supply will leave the market and how rates will be affected in the balance of supply. So I think from a demand perspective, we're seeing the slow. We're starting to see stabilization, then we're going to see a slow recovery. But on on the supply side, there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of what's going to happen there. We already knew that that supply was coming out of the market going into this year. Uh, and then, of course, we had this massive supply shock and COVID, but is supply going to keep pace with the falling of demand? It's not clear that we've hit bottom uh, in terms of rates yet. Uh, carriers are still um, still on the market operating at those rates. So that's something that we'll have to watch out for as we go forward. And then phase four, we expect uh, recovery, right? A new normal. Do expect there's going to be significant long-term shifts in the um, core networks of many of our suppliers. It's very hard to predict. Certain sectors will take a long time to recover, right? So it's gonna be a while before everybody feels feel comfortable filling a whole movie theater, right? 
um, that could take months, uh, if not right, quarters uh, to fully recover. Uh, but other sectors and a lot of home consumables, right, may continue to see that surge, which means from a supply chain perspective, we can expect that a lot of the fundamental shifts that have occurred, right, will be very slow. Uh, and it's not something that's going to happen in two to three months. It's something that could happen uh, over multiple quarters. So ultimately, that's uh, that's what we see. And I'm happy to be able to have spent a little bit of time with you remotely from, from home and First time doing one of these uh, sessions uh, from the comfort again of my, my bedroom, actually. So uh, hello from sunny California, and I hope you have a great, uh, great week. Thank you. <laughs>